Um, so I wanted to save this comment for our listeners because I thought that they might find it funny. Uh, but I was just commenting to a friend that my most pressing issue right now just has to do with how unevenly my, my body tans. And at the moment, I was going to say my limbs and torso look like they belong to different people. <laughs> That's really bad sign. <laughs> but I love these melanin stories. Um, it's always a consistent thing that happens over summer. Mm-hmm. The increase in melanin issues. Yeah. Like another one for me is mosquitoes really love to eat me. Ooh, and then afterwards, um, like my... I have a lot of pigmentation. Do you ever get that? Um, mosquitoes like to bite me. I haven't noticed. I should probably investigate my skin a little bit more. But I, I actually am one of those people who wear clothing. I wear a lot of clothing, even in the summer. Is so it, what are you trying to say around. about me, Liz? No, actually, <laughs> that's not about you. It's just, it's more about me, as in I like to wear blue jeans and I'll wear sweatshirts in the summer. Hmm. Right. So that's not about you at all. Like you're probably dressing like a normal person, and I'm just like, yeah, I want to cover my body <laughs> from the sun. Um. So sometimes, so I don't. I notice it more because when I do wear a dress or something, then I'm like, why am I itching? But usually, I'm wearing, I'm covered, and like I don't get mosquito bites all the time. Mm. That's great. I think the mosquitoes also bite me through my clothes, though, which is mm. like when I've been wearing jeans. But mm. no, that's not. I don't have that problem. That's that's a Canadian thing. Po- quite possibly. Well, <laughs> maybe this isn't a, a convenient time as any to transition. Welcome to another episode of PhDs. <laughs> we are a podcast about academia, culture, and social justice across the STEM humanities divide, and about summer, apparently. Yeah about summer and summer breaks and um you guys may have noticed but i was absent for a while because i i took a pseudo break and now we're back and then zion i thought maybe we should talk about breaks mm-hmm. <laughs> and how that doesn't or does or does not happen in academia for academics such as ourselves yeah i think that the summer break is a really complicated issue there was a really good piece in the Chronicle that I sent to Liz, which mm-hmm. comments that um, summer, it can be a very difficult time for academics with uh, mental health issues because the amount of un- uh, free unstructured time can, can sort of exacerbate mental health issues, for instance. Mm. And I've definitely something I hear from a lot of friends now, now that once the final grading came in, went in, all the marks are submitted then this sort of pressure is like, now you only have X number of months and this is your time to write. So on the one hand, it is the free time, but also this is the most time you're going to have to do your research. Yeah, I. so I think something we can all relate to is when the summer break happens, like family, normal people just don't understand that there's no such thing as a break. So, you know, for graduate students and, and academics, you... Um, I know if my family, they'll ask me, what am I doing? I'm like the same thing I was doing before school ended. I'm still working. I'm not, I'm still at school. And um, it's interesting, Zion, when you're thinking about talking about that article, because I, one of the things as a graduate student, I loved the summertime because it meant, yes, I can finally do work, no classes. 
Uh, I don't have to TA. I'm not trying to pass an exam. I can just be in lab and I can actually just finally work uninhibited and not be on this like weird schedule where, you know, three days out of the three hours of a day, you have to be somewhere else and the, the experiments can take a longer time to do. And you always have this expectation of getting so much more work done, like really catching up on all the stuff you didn't get to yes. do over the school year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of paradoxical. Um, and I've, I've been sort of thinking about myself, like what does it mean to take a, to take a break at all? And on the one hand, like la- this time last year, after I had graduated, actually after I had posted on my uh Facebook feed about how difficult I was finding it to take a break at all after graduating my oh, PhD. Yeah, you were before, ridiculous. yeah, because I was still so wired from the PhD. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what to do with myself and I was just so burned out, but also like unable to, but still filled with so, so much nervous energy that I couldn't actually enjoy that time. And one of my friends, I remember, and like linked to the song from Hamilton, uh, Take a Break, mm-hmm. where people in Hamilton's life are trying to be like, Seriously, you know, spend some time with your family, take a break. Mm. <sighs> yeah, and I I remember for me, um, when I defended, I went to Paris. I went to Europe for two and a half weeks. Um, and it's funny because, I mean, it was really nice. I really went away. And then I also um, had, like, another, like, two or three weeks before I actually started working. So I just moved, but I didn't work. And I just kind of like slept, went to the library, read books. It was really awesome. Um, I think for me, like I was really happy to, I was, I didn't feel wired. My kind of exhaustion and like stress over the thesis led to me not wanting to do anything. So for me, I felt like I'm the opposite direction of like, it was actually really great. I actually had no problem doing nothing. I think it was hard to ramp myself back up to do work again, to start my new position. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I suppose a question that um, we should discuss for ourselves that might be also be useful for listeners, like how do we then balance the fact that this summertime is the closest thing we'll have to take a break, but at the same time, there's so much pressure to be productive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coincidentally, like as Liz and I are recording this, this is sort of like, just between Canada Day and, and the 4th of July, which I guess would be considered time off for other people. But of course, we decided to discuss the discuss these things and the, um, our editing will be <laughs> happening over the 4th of July, I think, on Liz's side. Yeah, well, I mean, the 4th of July, you go eat food, you get a, go to a barbecue, um, but also you get to park on campus for free. So I'm not getting rid of that. I'll probably go in for a few hours and then leave. Um, But, and I think, like, this is not slightly off topic, but um, I think people pick and choose their holidays. So for me, um, especially when I was far away from home, it didn't make sense to go home for a day holiday, a -hmm. holiday that lasted a day. Um, And also my family situation is one where I'd rather be that I would take vacations other places besides home. So people get really confused with me about whether I actually go away and have a vacation because they don't see me going home, but home isn't a vacation for me. Um, like, but staying in my own apartment is a vacation if I'm not going to lab. So it, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, so 4th of July, 
celebration, but also writing the podcast, catching up on things. I'm finally coming to the idea that taking a break for me kind of means putting dedicated time aside to not Mm -hmm. do work Mm -hmm. and making that decision beforehand. So what I typically do, what I've typically done is I will work, but then if I feel like I need to take a day off, I just take a day off. Or if, um, if I'm going on a trip, I'll like plan like two days before or two days afterwards to do something that's not work related. Like I just had a conference in Vermont and after the conference, I stayed in Boston for two or three days. I didn't check my email. I didn't, I just like kind of cut myself off from like social media and things. And for me, that was a break. But I think there's some value in taking a long break, like actually saying like, I'm going to go for a week and go somewhere else. I'm going to do something. Um, Cause it, it feels different and you might actually need more than two or three days to really regroup. If you can afford to do that, it's a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that um, I feel like that's another interesting thing. Like again, summer is probably going to be uh the largest stretch of time that we academics who may be very far from home get to go home at all. And of course it is, I guess, part of the break, but of course it's still filled with like other types of emotional labor going on. Like for me, going home was not just about attending my cousin's wedding, but finally being able to bury my grandma who died um, at the beginning of the year. And I haven't been able to go home at all. And that was something that has been weighing on me quite a bit. Um, So it was both difficult, but uh, really necessary at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, which is it's interesting you, you say that, Zion, because sometimes our breaks we have to do a lot in our breaks that aren't don't feel like breaking. But it's like things pile up in our personal lives so that when we actually have the time to take a break, we end up doing um work. Mm-hmm. Although it's not the professional work, but it ends up being the the emotional work or the family work or kind of like the housekeeping of our lives that we don't get to do otherwise. And even then we don't get to take the break that we need, but we think we're taking a break. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why am I not refreshed? Because we were just catching up. We were paying our bills. We were like checking Mm -hmm. to make sure we didn't have something missing, like a ticket or something. I almost didn't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're catching up on family, visiting sick people or doing memorials. And, um, yeah, I, w- I wanted to say, Liz, depressing. oh, sorry, I really <laughs> liked your comment about having to structure breaks, and this is something I've I've been really trying to do for myself lately because I recognize that it's very difficult to not feel guilty with empty time, um, mm. and so, and also the thing is, like, with, with the postdoc that I'm in now, it doesn't involve teaching, so, that, like, my time is even more unstructured, that... For example, then it makes sense for me to do, say, errands during a weekday when other people are working because things will be less busy. But then Mm -hmm. because of that, I actually view like my weekend as a really good time to work because then most people won't be around. (laughs) And also I sort of realized I accepted this um, the other night that I really enjoy working on Friday nights. Mm -hmm. Like like I might go and like have dinner with friends and stuff like that, but then I'll go back and be like, oh, this is just so peaceful and quiet now. And if this is what works for me, I I should just accept it and feel okay about that. Yeah. Yeah, this idea of needing to impose a schedule where there is no schedule and needing to do that. 
Um, and I think in the STEM, for STEM people, this might be really interesting. Um, so after you've done your classes and you've taken your A and you start just doing research full time, you may not always be teaching a class. So if you're not teaching or taking a class, then you really have to schedule your time really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think being in a lab environment is helpful because you at least have um, peers around you who are doing work with you, or maybe there's a calendar you have to sign up to use time. So you have to, there are things that kind of help you put a schedule in there, but even then you could still fall under the cracks. I, I know that because I see some students who, you know, want to become night owls and you only see them working at night. But then because no one else works at night with them, they may not be as productive as they think they're being because they just can slack off because no one's Mm -hmm. watching them work. Or, you know, people start to get really depressed and stop coming into lab and no one's like making you, but people are going to say something about you not coming into lab. So that could be an issue. So, yeah, trying to impose your work is really, impose a schedule is really important. And it might even help with something you were saying, Zion, like having, feeling hard, finding it difficult to deal with free time. Because if you actually say, um, here's what, here my, here's my plan for July. And in the first week of August, as an example, that's going to be a vacation. Then you plan. And then when that first week comes, you're, if you've made your plans correctly, you can actually leave and feel comfort. Like, well, I've done things I was supposed to do. Um, and, and that's what's going to happen. I'm actually planning this out right now, kind of after I had a, after this breakdown I just had, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is important. So I'm actually planning, um, a longer trip where I actually just completely disconnect, but then do something mm-hmm. like fun or relaxing. I want to know what it feels like to wake up in the morning and go, I don't have anything to do. I guess I'm just going to roll over and go back to sleep <laughs> or, Oh, I've taken my second nap today, but I'm still don't want to do anything. I'm just gonna read a book. Mm-hmm. I want to know what that feels like. I I haven't felt that in a while, and so that's what I'm looking forward to, and that's what's keeping me like, okay, if you follow your schedule, you can do this, and you could do it guilt free. Mm-hmm. But so it's it sort hard. of like this like carrot that you're dangling for yourself. That right, yeah, right. So rather than taking so many short breaks, which is what I tend to do thinking about what if I actually just gave myself a whole week of like uninterrupted, you know, nothing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. On the flip side, I was also thinking that um, I've also been accepting the fact that um, not only is it important for me to structure and accept the the times when I take a break, but also to give myself goals for my break time. Ooh, yeah. Because otherwise I I feel sort of like the thing is I can't, I think it's perhaps another thing of like, if you've been conditioned with your personality to act a certain way, it's very hard to just turn that off. And so I just sort of be restless. But instead, my goal for the summer has also been um, to be able to enjoy doing things that I'm not good at. Ooh, go on. (laughs) Yes. Um, So I mentioned this to some of my other friends here um, in Vancouver at University of British Columbia. And they're like, oh, Mm wow. And... I guess like the sort of implicit joke is like, I guess as a graduate students and we're, we're sort of used to having certain strengths and playing to them. And mm-hmm. that's not the case for everyone, but that's definitely something that I recognized about myself. And I think that's something that's that has... you're going to do karaoke? 
I could do. I've done karaoke. Karaoke, karaoke. Okay, okay. So for me, this is meant. I've signed <laughs> up and with, for the Green College uh, softball league, and we're a non-competitive mm-hmm. league. And so we've never doing, won a oh game. Oh my god, you're playing a non-competitive game. I know. A I game? know. And also, yeah, what's, what also this takes some of the pressure off is the fact that yeah, <laughs> the fact that like we've never won a game, so I don't have to worry about that. Like no, when I did, you want to be the first person to win a game. Ugh. And it's no, like, no, no, I'm sorry, I don't want to implant these ideas in you. You're you're doing so well. Yeah, but and also of like I've never, I haven't even thrown a ball or touched a bat since like elementary school. So it was like also like how can I find it fun to do these things with my friends? without having the anxiety that I should be good at these things when realistically there's no reason to. Mm-hmm. Um, and also trying to also work against expectation because a lot of people, um, a lot of the people I, I'm around thought I would be good at it as well. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to be like, well, this is because they're like, oh, because you work out all the time. And I was like, but this is the difference between being sporty and being fit. You know, mm-hmm. just because, you know, I, I exercise doesn't actually mean I have hand-eye coordination or any of the skills that's re- that are required <laughs> to play any sport. And so, uh, for, yeah, for me to sign up for it, it was like, first of all, let people know that I suck at something, even though they mm-hmm. might think that I'm good, and then also mm-hmm. feel good about sucking. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not going to be dirty about that one, but I want Oh, to. yeah. Because <laughs> you're I'm like, at last, you. you could get revenge on me. <laughs> I'm proud. That's that's awesome. <laughs> playing softball. I'm sorry. I and it's funny because I can. My first thoughts of you playing softball were you like eventually like hitting the ball and like getting really excited about yourself and just like like, like thrusting the air. Like I feel like you get really into it. Like once you did something really good. Yeah. Well, just unfortunately, like, I'm not sure if that will actually happen. If I'll be able to do something really good, but whatever. I'm sure you will. Oh, or like another thing I'm going to actually be trying after we finish chatting is uh, like people are just um, teaching us how to slackline. What's that? You've probably seen it around Cornell. Like people do it on the slope all the time where like they're just like they set up a line between trees and you sort of like walk across like a tightrope. Oh, no, we're not. Okay, you can do that. I'm not doing that. (laughs) Yeah. So so sort of take uh, out. Don't worry. There will be photos. But yeah, just sort of feeling feeling okay with being literally precarious and falling falling down and being like, okay, this is okay. I'm okay with I'm okay with failure. I'm still gonna find this fun. Mm. Which might sound really neurotic, but this is how I have to sort of train myself <laughs> to and re- recondition myself to give space in my life for these types yeah. of breaks from a type of an obsessive need to overachieve in everything. You know, um, there's a part of me that thinks, how is it that we're only doing this at this stage in our lives, that we're like postdocs, you know? And then the other part of me thinks that I think this kind of go, it might go hand in hand. You know, we, we we're achieving so many other things, and now we're coming to this place where we're trying to be happy. Yes. And try to figure out how to do our jobs and be happy at the same time. And some people may reach that stage earlier than us, and that's perfectly fine. But you get to this point where you think, okay, I'm already successful. 
I already know how to succeed professionally very well. Maybe some of those habits are good professionally, but maybe they're not so good for my personal life. How do I bring my personal satisfaction up to that? Um, something I'm also thinking about is, you know, fingers crossed, if I actually do become a faculty, how am I going to sustain that? Like, mm-hmm. I have to do this. I have to figure out how to manage my health, my happiness, um, my personal life, because I don't know if I'm going to have the time to, like, figure this out in this healthy way, you know, again. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, thanks, Liz, because, like, that, that brought up so, so many important points for me. Because I do feel <laughs> like, for for me... To get to this stage, I've had to prioritize so many things in my life so I can get things done. But because of that, I've completely lost sight of things like how to enjoy things in a very simple way without having to become, a you know, without being the need to be a master at it, for example, or the need to win. Um, I think there was fairly recently where I sort of just realized, like, what does it mean for me to be happy I know, right? And you're like, your brain like almost crashes because like, do not compute, do not compute. Your brain's like, I thought I was happy. And like, there's a different level. Yeah. And just being okay with that is, is quite something. Like I, I feel like I, even, even though I don't think I was good at prioritizing that, sometimes I Mm -hmm. still, I thought I was doing okay. Like people know that I really like taking photos of food. And so for Mm -hmm. that, for me, that was like one way of trying to channel that and like, But even then, like, sometimes I find, like, a lot of the things I do use to relax or take a break can end up being just as obsessive as other parts of my life, like having to have a certain structure or, like, holding myself to a particular standard and Mm. maybe, like, the enjoyment sort of fades away and it's become another area of my life that I have to master. Yeah. Yeah, and then you do it so unknowingly, right? It's like, it just creeps up on you. Mm Mm-hmm. So how are you, um, I don't know about you, but I end up having these like moments of awareness about myself and I'm like, and I pride myself on seeing things. I think partially cause that's my job. I mean, and also I, I work in optics, so I, I see things. So when I don't see something <laughs> in myself, it's, it's like, it just makes me laugh at this point. Like, I'm just like, like I am so, I am so. I'm like a caricature of myself sometimes because I, it's like I do certain things too well. And in fact, I do it so well, I don't recognize my own things until mm-hmm. someone like points it out. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I see it now. But it's like, I would really suck at finding like a, where's George? And those little puzzle things. Where's, well, Wal- oh. where's Waldo? Oh, okay. Stupid Waldo. I was, like, Waldo. George, huh? like, I was like, maybe it's an American thing I don't know about. I've never found Waldo in my life. I would just, like, rip the poster up or something. Stupid. <laughs> anyway, that's off topic, but... Although, but a quick aside, a did you know that the rest relevant. of the world, he's not called Waldo? What's he called? Wally. Wally? Apparently, it's only the North American market that they called him Waldo. Really? You know, I think Wally sounds smarter. Wait, that's it. Maybe. Never mind. But anyway, <laughs> that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I interrupted you. Wally. No, no, no. I, I love the Zion interruptions where she's like, did you know, actually, this is Oh, this. hopefully not the well actually 
Like, am I am I just a woman mansplainer? <laughs> <laughs> what does a woman mansplainer sound like? Hmm. I haven't had that happen to me in a while. I've had mansplaining happen. And like, you know you're mansplaining right now, right? And no, I'm not mansplaining. I'm just explaining something that you've already explained. Like, that's actually mansplaining. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. We should talk about that in a different episode. We mm-hmm. should take a break from mansplaining. We should write a list of all the things we want to take a break from. But worst case, I think, um, I do think this idea of taking a break is important. And also rethinking what it means to take a break for you. Like, what does that break mean for you? I wouldn't go and say that everyone needs the same thing. But mm-hmm. I guess you should really evaluate whether what you've been doing has actually been working for me. Do you, when you take a break, do you actually feel rejuvenated? Um, and then we think, how long should the break be? I think a break should be long enough that you actually go through a loop. Like you go through a high of like, or you have to actually spend a few days being bored and sitting with your boredom, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you... But you have to, like, come out of that loop and, like, your brain has to actually naturally flow back to doing things. You have to give your brain time to do that because you can mm-hmm. come back too early and then not get the relaxed relaxation that you really wanted. I don't know. And then I guess the other last thing I would say about it is um, I would also say if you can, in a break, try not to, to uh, read emails or do social media Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's maybe some people have different opinions on that, but I also find that staring at a screen cannot be as break. You you aren't taking the break you think you're taking, mm-hmm. especially if you're trying to read emails and like respond to people. Like you really should shut that down when you're taking your break. That's yeah. what I mean for me. That I think that's something I'm starting to recognize for me. That when I actually tell myself I'm not going to do it and even like try to tell other people I'm not going to do it, I actually feel less guilt about not doing it and it makes me feel more relaxed. Whereas I feel a tension if I'm expecting someone to have to come and talk to me or I have to respond to people. I know. What is it like for you, Zine? Or, or do oh. you find like it's different for you? Um, I guess. So definitely with emails, I've, I realized like that's the first thing I always do. But also like I... I feel like my usual routine is like I wake up, I go to the gym and then like it works out that between sets I do, I check my emails. Uh-huh. So it like I've tried to, I guess this is part of the problem I was talking about, like try to optimize every, optimize my breaks even, yeah. even the breaks between sets. I know you're giving me a look right now. I um, am because the thing is, so Zai will be chatting and I'm thinking she's probably just sitting on her couch or something. And then she'll just say, I'm in between like squat sets. Like, what are you doing having a like intense, like a conversation with me and you're in the gym? Why are you looking <laughs> at your phone right now? What are you doing? <laughs> and it's like, it's a pretty, you know, it's not like, hey, yeah, uh-huh, whatever. See you soon. It's like definite like responses. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Yeah, it definitely shows that even when it comes to doing my squats, I find it hard to take breaks between sets. But but anyway, what I mean, you don't ha- find it hard to take breaks because you're chatting with me. You probably chat oh. with everybody. I'm not special. You are special, but everyone's <laughs> special in different ways. Wow, um, wow, no. Um, like if, yeah, if, so- if that's like a oh, you're a 
That was um like giving all the kids a trophy. Oh yes, the participation like award. Second grade. The medal. Yeah. 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 I, well, I guess for me, I wouldn't turn off social media because social media is a, a, such a big part of my identity. Um, the way I like to, I've d- been describing it to people is that it's sort of like the perfect balance for me between socialization, but also pri- uh, privacy and loneliness at the same time. Like, I feel like the dilemma for me is that I'm either an introvert who really likes people or an extrovert with very limited energy. Mm-hmm. And also since like most of my work is solitary, it's only through social media that I can feel some sort of connection, but also mediate it at a comfortable distance. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. This is a good, um, a good, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Good balance of our uses of media, maybe. Or yeah. Or think about media in breaks. Um, do you ever find, do you ever feel like social media becomes too much? Yes. I, well, not in, in and of itself or engaging with friends, but I think that sometimes, like, for, for me, what just becomes exhausting when there's so many terrible things that are happening in the world at once, yeah. and that's all you see in the timeline, and it's all you could you could share about, and there's only so many, like, petitions or calls or, like, little donations you can make without, eventually, you, you just can't do much more, and for me, it's like, so it's more like an emotional energy having to do with engagement in the world, but also, and when it sort of, it also, also for me, sent is a type of compulsion that because I can't do anything else except be aware of it, like I have to keep on following it at the same time, like somehow bearing witness to it is the one thing I can do. So in that regard, I find social media can be exhausting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. um, I felt really, I don't want to use the word traumatized because that's probably a different level, but um, when I was preparing for my talk and dealing with some family issues and then um, Philando Castile, um, mm. you know, that verdict came yes. out and then Charlena mm. Lyles and, um, you know, I think um, Dr. Chanda Prescott-Weinstein talked about this pretty eloquently, like having to deal, having to be a scientist and deal with society at the same time, going into spaces where that's all you're thinking about and then no one else is thinking about that at all. Mm-hmm. Or if you, if it is mentioned, it's kind of like, oh, did you hear about that? That's so sad, isn't it? And it's like, that's, that's, that it feels so close. It feels really personal. Um, so that it's like really hard to kind of be in those spaces at the same time. And not, and how, and to deal with that anger or also that feeling that it really could have been you. Mm-hmm. Do you have any suggestions on how you deal with that or? Um, oh man, um, I don't want to see suggestions in, in the options that probably what I do may not be healthy or the best for people, but there are some times that I end up just messaging people personally and talking to them. Um, cause I, and I think for me, whereas I think, Zion, you mentioned that you feel like your work can be very isolating. I think that the way I respond to social media is pretty much a direct product of feeling like I've been too exposed in some of my professional atmospheres, some of my professional spaces, like places I've worked. 
Uh-huh. And I feel like I have this intense, I do have this intense desire to try to regain some of my, like, um, control over, like, my thoughts and, like, who gets to see my emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are certain reactions I tend not to have publicly. Or, like, I'm, I talk to people who, like, I think who like we've kind of like broken this ground with and kind of understand and like there's like a circle of people um so when things like that happen I tend to like go to the people that I know will understand um depending on what situation so it depends like for everything um and uh when social media is too much I just get off of social media actually that's like my solution to it Mm -hmm. and I try to reconnect with I try to connect with people like around me. Um, and it's always a push and pull for me because I understand that I, while I feel myself drawing away from social media, I understand that I also understand the power of social media and the community of social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are absolutely people that I've met through social media who I am so grateful for in the community that I have there. So I also feel this need to give back and to actually contribute in the social media family. So it it always ends up being a a cycle for me, like on, off, on, off. Um, But always at the same time, trying to reserve like the best of me, quote unquote, for the people like who are around me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess like, Maybe this also comes to the point that we have about taking breaks, like that if it is always a cycle for us, like accept the cycle. Yeah. Like don't feel bad about it. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Like just because we disengage now doesn't mean we're disengaging forever. This is because we're going to come back and be, be able to face new challenges. It's not like you're losing the battle. It's like a temporary retreat just so you can reallocate your resources much better to things that, um, Right. Or more meaningful. I think trying to find the, the ideal, I won't say perfect, but the ideal social media presence is a big deal, actually. I think it, especially as academics, um, where your opinion could one day put you on a website that can get you lots of attention or you could lose your job or something. And I think, um, yeah, that might even be worthy of a whole separate conversation. How do you navigate social media? Because I've even seen people end up having like two kind of accounts. So one that's like really professional and then one Mm -hmm. that is really personal. And then the really personal one will have like a really obscure username. Like, so the intent is that no one finds it. The same way Mm -hmm. everyone thinks Beyonce really has a Snapchat, but we don't know what it is. I actually don't (laughs) care. But um, I hear people talking about it. And I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be happy if she does, personally. Um, People need their personal space. Um, but yeah, and yeah, I I just think that's something that's really important because I feel, I definitely feel like the thing that I portray on social media isn't necessarily the person that I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't want to be misleading about that. (laughs) No, I think that, um, yeah, I I was just going to say that for me, for example, I was just talking so much about engaging a lot on social media, but for me, Facebook is a very different place than say Twitter. And so like shifting between different registers of like socialization, but also like the degree to which you expose the personal is very different for me between these different 
um, different places because one of them is more is public facing the other one's private yeah <laughs> I'm laughing because the way I view them they're all public nothing's ever private <laughs> and I mm, think true. that comes through in a lot of my mess like I just it comes through because I don't for a second believe that the only way to keep something private is to never post it um so so for me <laughs> it both the audience are different and the privacy's accounts that they do have are different but i guess i've heard too much about how companies literally can pay for pay more money to get your information or you're only a copy and paste away from being you know completely public um that I just kind of feel put off by that mm-hmm. on terms of social media. Um, but again, it's powerful and I, it's, it's nice. So I, I battle, I really struggle with that. And like the, there's no privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like what you, um, in one of our, our conversations off the podcast, you gave me this phrase. I've, I've thought a lot about what, what having to do with strategic vulnerability. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I didn't say it that way. I'm sure you. Or like I maybe they translated like that, and I was like, "Oh, yes. that's good." Refre- refresh me on my greatness. Then what was I saying? Oh well, so one of the many lessons or conversations <laughs> that I feel like I where we get a lot, at least I get a lot out of our friendship. But like we, the conversation that we're having now for this episode, I feel is someone that Liz and I have a lot having to do with self care and also and management. Yeah. And I just remember one time we were talking about, um, like managing um, emotions generally, and like also, what does it make mean to to put out parts of your personal life or to to appear to to perform that type of um, that type of vulnerability? And Liz had made this made the point to me that like she's you're very strategic about like what things oh, you show to what yes. ends and so forth like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am. Um, oh, it's, I, it sounds so manipulative. Man, manipulative. Sorry, sorry. Um, no, because sometimes when I'm talking to people, I realize there's a story that's helpful or useful for this situation. And it sounds very personal. But I've also chosen the story that I'm okay giving. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether you know that or not, like it still makes a connection and the point. And sometimes it's almost leverage because by being vulnerable, someone else becomes vulnerable and you deepen the interaction or the relationship and then you can really make new ground. Um, but then... Because I am this way, I've also had to learn when to do that and when not to because there's obviously moments where I'm actually just burning myself out or Mm -hmm. the output is not worth the situation or the person, right? They're not Mm -hmm. receptive or like I just feel drained. So then it becomes something where where, um, I have to say like, am I, what do I get out of this? Because if it's nothing, then I don't say, then don't do it. Don't be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I think I like strategic vulnerability better than actually trying to explain it. 
Sorry, that you do like the phrase or that? I like the phrase a lot. I like my explanation less. <laughs> I like it a lot less. But yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm reevaluating that too. Um, I wish, to be honest, I wish I were more okay being vulnerable and that sounds stupid it sounds like I am okay being vulnerable but I, I'm referring to some very specific specific um events where I think they're very powerful stories some of the most powerful stories about me personally are the very stories that I don't want to say yet mm -hmm. or maybe at all who knows yeah yeah well <laughs> I feel like this is also something that I'm way, sorry yeah, yeah I I when Liz came to visit me in Vancouver I feel like this is also something that we talked about where you were also like Zion you're really bad about being vulnerable <laughs> and like you have to be able to ask people for help sometimes <laughs> <laughs> oh god I'm a horrible person um no you're not <laughs> <laughs> I think it is important to recognize and well, also I, something to work on for me. If it helps you, people say the same thing to me. So yeah, that's also yeah. I think that's partially why I, I said it and why I may have felt may have felt so comfortable saying it is because ah I see it I see it and I see it through you. So I'm gonna pass the favor and I'm gonna tell mm -hmm. you about yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like that. No, that's a really good point as well. I think that people should bear in mind, like, as they're either mentoring or being being mentored is like, sometimes advice, you give advice precisely because like, you yourself are still working on it. Like, you're not giving advice from this place, like, yeah. where you've achieved something and have moved beyond and, and you're looking back. It. But it's because it's like the struggle is real. And you're this is part of the process of like, you convincing yourself that this is something you have to change about your life. Right, you can sense what stage they're at. Like, literally, you see, you feel their transition. And you see, like, what precipice they're on. Like, you're at this point where you you feel like you have a problem, but you can't articulate what it is yet. And you, sometimes a friend is helpful to kind of put words to that and to, like, push you a little bit over that edge till you can get to the part where you're really, like, thinking about it and, and, and looking at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> should we are there any final comments that we have so like um, i guess we've really like taken the idea of taking a break to from both like the literal types of breaks summer breaks but maybe also like emotional breaks and social breaks yeah yeah we yeah. did um wow um no i i hope everyone's taking care of themselves or trying um there's a lot of different breaks that you can do. Maybe we should have a quick word about... Well, one thing that I, I think about is... Um, while we talk about breaks, I think people... Not everyone is able to take, like, a week off. Mm -hmm. um, whether that be um, family obligations or financial reasons or you just can't right now like timing of your experiments. Like even for me, I wanted to take a break, but it's not the right time. And I'm kind of having to push it off by a few months um, when, I, well, when I'll have better leverage to actually take that break with more, with less stress. 
And so when we're working in the constraints of real life, it's still worth trying to think, what can you change to make it slightly, slightly more of a break? Um, so part of that for me was like not taking on more obligations. Mm-hmm. Saying no. Actually saying no. And I, I am not good at this. And I'm really proud of myself because I um, um, didn't apply. I did not, not that I didn't apply for something, but um, let's say that our, the conference I went to, they have these chair positions. Like you can um, nominate yourself to become the chair to um, organize the next conference that will mm. happen in two years. And people kept asking me, oh, Liz, you should absolutely run. Or, or I'm going to put your name in the ballot. And I was like, no, no, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to do this. Um, you know, not only, I think it, it was important for me as a moment to say no, because just because people are telling you that you should or that you'd be great at it doesn't mean you, you need to do that. You should still think about what you need. I've already organized a conference before, so I don't need that experience under my belt. Um, I would obviously do a good job on this, but but I'm not the only one. At a certain level, some of these things can become cookie cutter. And also, it's good for other people to have opportunities to organize their skills. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I also just kept saying, I think I want to be Steve Bannon. <laughs> What? Um, what? So for, forgive what? the guy, but just the okay. idea that uh, I want to be, I can be helpful and not be the lead. I know, I know it's a horrible example because, because it's whatever, but that man's a mastermind. All right, never mind, we can cut that part out. I'm not trying to, I'm not, okay, I'll find a better example. But I said, no, I said, no, Mm -hmm. don't volunteer me. Don't nominate me. No, I'm not going to do this because I also, the really big decision for me was that, yes, I do a good job. Yes, it would be great, but this is going to stress me out and I need to focus and I don't need to do this. Even if it's not a lot of work, it will, it will become work because it'll be more emails I have to do. It'll be more people asking me questions. And Mm -hmm. so... The, the long story, the short story, that was too long, is to think about the ways in which you can take breaks, even if you can't take that long break, that mm-hmm. will help you ease your mind. You're looking mm-hmm. for activities that will help you clear. Sometimes, and that means saying no, um, either to new engagements or saying no to even the short-term engagements. Maybe it could mean reserving a special time on Friday or some other day, whatever day it is and saying like, I, I, it moves me to sleep in this one day. Mm-hmm. But whatever that is for you and your schedule and your circumstance, just think about it because breaks are really important as a structure. And, sh- and then the final thing, right? Zion structure helps you have breaks. Mm-hmm. So think about your structure. Yay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't really think I have anything to add to that, but I, I'm also, funnily enough, also recently said no to something, and I also feel good about being able to be <gasps> in the position no where to? I can say, I'm not going to do this. So, what did you say yay, no high five to ask? us. High five. Okay, I won't ask, but you'll tell me later. But, yeah. um, but feeling no, feeling saying no, it feels great, 
I felt guilty at the same time, but it, I also felt like I was I was finally paying attention to my body, finally mm-hmm. thinking strategically about my career because again, it I don't need this experience, so I shouldn't say yes just because I'd be good at it. Same, yeah. And that's a trap. It's really easy to like when you have like twelve people saying like you should do this, you'd be so great at it, because what they're responding to is that I'm a good speaker. Right. And I'm very galvan. I can be very galvanizing and that's cool. Like that's intentional, but how does this benefit me? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. That sounds like I'm bragging. No, no, no. Uh, I, I was just, I was just imagining you like as like the source of like a pure energy coming out of you and like, lightning I bolts mean, coming out and galvanizing people, people in a literary think. way. <laughs> Oh. I have moments. Ironically, the moment that I was the most galvanizing and energized was the moment that I was just like falling apart. I find that very interesting that that's always my situation. But personal life, complete shit. Professional, like, oh my God, that was amazing. She should be our leader. <laughs> Well, anyway, maybe this is a good place to round it off for our listeners. I think five minutes ago was a good place to round it off, Zion. You're being too nice. Well, I mean, I don't know what to say. <laughs> she's speechless. She's never speechless, but she's speechless today. It must be because America's going to celebrate its anniversary. Uh, anyway, I'm Dr. Zainyao. <laughs> Dr. Liz Wayne. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of PhD Bus. Please like us, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, leave a review on whatever um, podcasting medium you listen to us. And, and take care of yourselves. Thanks. Bye.